Would you turn with me please to a scripture that we've been looking at on Friday nights for the last few weeks in the book of Romans. Romans the fifth chapter. Let's read this and then we'll review a little bit, let you know what's going on. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5, 8. He says, God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. When? Don't you like that? Now, the same word translated justified is sometimes translated righteous. We've been justified, or you could say we've been made righteous, or right, or just, by his blood. When are we? Now. 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 We shall be saved from wrath through him. Are you afraid of the wrath to come? No. Mm -mm. Why? We've been saved. Right? Specifically says we're saved from the wrath. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we've now, now received the atonement, or that word literally is reconciliation. Do you notice how many times he says now? Now. He says, wherefore is by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, I'd like for you to read that out loud with me because it's going to come into play just in a moment here. What does that say? Now, this last phrase is the one I really want you to focus on. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now say it again. Sin is not imputed where there is no law. No law, sin's not imputed. Now I'm going to expound on that in a minute. But verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. Not as it was by one that sinned is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification or righteousness. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, by sin death reigned. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Glory. Skip down to verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We've called this series Reigning in Life. 
reigning in life. Have we been destined to reign in life? Do we have to put off reigning till we get to heaven? Or did he say in life? Absolutely. We have been, like I said, studying on this in the Friday evenings. And let me review for you just a little bit. We went back to Genesis and we saw that God originally created man to have dominion. That's what we were created for. He created them, male and female. He said, let them have dominion. And he talked about us ruling over everything, fish and beings in the sea and fowl in the air and every creeping thing, everything. The Bible said in Psalms, the heaven of heavens is the Lord, but the earth has he given to the children of men. And we're supposed to rule and reign down here. But we also saw how that through bowing his knee to the devil, Adam turned over his authority to the enemy. Because whoever you yield to, you become the servant of. I mean, he goes into great detail here in the book of Romans about if you yield your members to sin, you become the servant of sin. But if you receive the gift of grace and righteousness, then you become, so to speak, servants of righteousness and you're yielding your members to righteousness. How many would say, I don't serve the devil, I serve God. I don't serve sin, I serve righteousness, right things, good things, right? Well, it's our choice. But you know... Some of the times in my life that I've been grieved the most is when I realize I let the devil use my mouth. I let the devil use me in some situation to say something or do something that caused his will to be implemented and caused something to be done that he wanted done. That's the times that I have fallen on the floor and wept because that's what the enemy's after. He can't do anything in this earth unless somebody yields to him. What if nobody on the planet would yield to the enemy, would think his thoughts or speak his words or do what he wants done? It would be like there was no devil. You understand? It'd be like he's behind a plate glass (laughs) looking in. It'd be like he didn't even exist. But the problem is there's all too many people all too ready to just say anything that crosses their mind and do whatever pops in their mind. And so they're yielding their mouth, they're yielding their mind, they're yielding their body to do the work of the enemy. But how many would say he's not my Lord and I don't yield to him, right? My mind is for the Lord. My mouth is for the Lord to speak his words. My hands are for the Lord to do his things, right? I remember the first uh, new sports car I got. I've always liked cars. And uh, the first new Corvette we were able to get. I was out in the driveway uh, washing it. This was back in uh, Tulsa. And uh, several of the boys in the neighborhood uh, that lived nearby, they came by and they saw that car. They all stopped. And they pulled. It was convertible. It was bright. What was This one was bright white, I guess it was. Red interior and red carpet. Man, you could see it a mile away. And then boys said, uh, wow, that's a sharp car. Brand new. I said, yeah, brand new. They looking at it and they said, man, what, a, what are you going to do with this car? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm a preacher. <laughs> and one of them, you know, sometimes kids, they just say stuff. He said, well, what you need a car like this for? Because I guess in their mind, unless you're a real partier, you don't need a car like that. 
And I'm understanding there's a lot of adults who are that dumb. Too. How many realize that all the good stuff is not for the devil's bunch? Huh? Sad how many, so many people believe that and they're robbed. But uh, I said, no. I said, already, fellas. I said, this car has been to church so many times. When I pull out of the driveway, it almost turns by itself. I said, this church going car. They just looked at each other and rolled their eyes like. (laughs) But everything we have and everything we are should be for him. Right? I mean, you sit down to that big stake and you say, T-Bone, I'm calling you into the ministry. (laughs) Why? Because I'm going to use the strength I get from this, right, to do what you want me to do. And when you really are committed to the Lord, everything in your life takes on kingdom significance, eternal value. So we don't yield ourselves to the enemy. We belong to the Lord. We yield ourselves to him. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, we also saw that uh, Jesus regained this authority that Adam lost. We saw how that kings exercise authority through their words. We saw that we, Jesus said, if you bind it on the earth, it shall be bound in heaven. And that things have to happen first in the earth. And the Lord backs us up if we use and when we use the authority he's given us. We talked last week about reigning in righteousness. About how we've been made righteous. And I want to continue on that some more this evening. Go with me to the 8th chapter of Romans, just over a page or so in your Bible. Romans 8. Let's pray before we read this. And release faith. How many believe the Lord could give you something really good tonight? And your life just be changed and questioned and answered. Well, uh, it's not just up to me. You can hear things I didn't even say. The Holy Spirit's our teacher, right? But you must have faith. And the Bible said, take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. For with the measure you meet to it, that's what you'll get back out of it. So uh, let me pray over you. Release your faith. Father God, thank you so much for giving us a church and a family, a fellowship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. He's our teacher, our guide, our helper. Thank you that you are the enlightener of our eyes. Give all of us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart open to understand. Let there come revelation of truth that makes free. Let the light dawn that the darkness and confusion and believing lies may be pushed out. Reveal the enemy's ploys and deception that we may see and know the truth that we may be completely free in every area. And we purpose not to be hearers only but doers of the word. We know as we do we shall be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the word of God. You believing with me now, right? Believing with me. Expecting, expecting, utterance, revelation. So much more is going on in services than people realize, you know. Uh, Sometimes people don't understand. There's word of knowledge. There's word of wisdom. There can be discerning of spirits, prophecy. So many things are happening. But with a lot of folk, they're so green at spiritual things unless you stop and go... Thus saith the Lord. They'd never recognize it. 
you know, the real flow of the Spirit does not draw attention to man. Did you hear me? I said the real flow of the Spirit glorifies Jesus. Always. If something is supposed to be the gifts of the Spirit and you just keep noticing people, how spiritual they are, how much they know, how wonderful they are, is flesh. So much of what people call spiritual is flesh. Did you ever notice in Galatians 5, it talks about witchcraft and calls it a work of the flesh. Did you hear that? See, not everything that's spiritual is God. You know, deep things happen when the word is being manifest. I mean, light comes in. Confusion and error is shown up. Have you ever seen something in the word and you'd believed wrong all your life and you saw it and you thought, oh, Oh, that's not that way. Glory to God. Well, your life's changed forever. When you see it, all the devils in hell can't take that away from you. And if you purpose to do it and put it into practice, all the devils in hell couldn't stop the miracles from coming to pass in your life and changes. Thanks be unto God for his wonderful, wonderful word. In Romans 8, are you there? Tell the Lord out loud, say, Lord, I love your word. Your word is precious to me. I receive it. I believe it. I'm a doer of it. By your grace. In Romans 8 and verse 1, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation. Said out loud, no condemnation. There is not when? Now. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Is that you? See, if you're made righteous, then there's no reason for you to feel condemned. There's no reason for you to feel guilty or ashamed or inferior. You know, all this talk. And I mean, it is so common in Christian circles and churches. People go, well, you know, I failed in so many ways and. I've come short, and the Lord knows it. You know, I guess we're all just sinners saved by grace. That is not Bible. I said, that is not Bible. Actually, it is insulting to the blood of the Lamb. And yet, is it common? People think it's humble. They think it's humility. And it's not. It's not. It's not okay. Like I said, it's insulting to the blood. If you have repented, what did the Lord say he would do? If you confess your sins. We talked about it last week. He's faithful. And he's just. He can do it justly because of the great sacrifice Jesus made for us. Because he took our place. He was made sin with our sin. He's just to do what? To forgive us of our sin. And that's not all. And what else? Cleanse us from all un righteousness if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness then how much is left how much unrighteousness is in you how much unrighteousness does the father see in you he doesn't see all your failures he doesn't see all your mistakes right he said their sins and iniquities will I remember no more so why should you bring them up about how many times you failed most everybody knows it anyway Why should you bring it up, right? See, this is the problem. 
You will not rule and reign in life if you don't get free from condemnation. Condemnation will prevent you from ruling and reigning. How many with me? I don't want want you to, to miss these things. It's sad that people do. Sad that people reject it. But don't take my word for any of this, right? Right? What did the scripture say? Take the scripture. Look it up. Find it. That's why I want you to have a Bible. Turn to it. Look at it. You know, like uh, this woman one time was taking Brother Hagin, you know, Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, taking him to task about something. And she came and she said, you know, you said such and such and such and such. He said, no, ma'am, I didn't say that. She said, yes, you did. I know you did. I was there. And he said, no, ma'am, I didn't say that. She said, I know you did. I'll get to tape and play. He said, no, ma'am. Jesus said that. She said, oh. See, that's a totally different thing, isn't it? I mean, people want to fuss with people. But forget that. If it's just something I said, then you're not obligated to believe it or do anything with it. But if it's something he said, don't get your eyes on me. Right? Taking it with him and make sure that you get it straight with him. And how many believe he's good? And he's not telling you anything to hurt you. He's telling you things that set you free. Well, he said there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, if there never been any sin... There would never have been any condemnation and there'd never been any death. Condemnation will prevent you from reigning. Now we're going to talk about some real basic reasons why people are in condemnation and then how to get free from it. Any amount of condemnation is going to rob you in your life. Keep reading here. He said verse uh, Three, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemn sin in the flesh. There's no more sin problem. Jesus has dealt with the sin problem. He's taken care of the sin problem. There's nobody in hell tonight because of a sin that couldn't be forgiven. There's nobody in hell because they're a murderer or because they're a liar or a thief or a fornicator or perverted. No, anybody there is there because they refused to accept Jesus, right? Because all these sins have already been dealt with. He's already paid for them. Any sin that there's ever been ever could be. He's already paid for it, taken care of it. And it goes on to say, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, does that sound familiar? Verse 1, did you hear that? There is therefore what? Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not, who? See, people quote that, but they leave this off, don't they? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Then he says it again down in verse 4. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is a key to staying free from condemnation. He goes on to describe, he says, 
Verse 5, they that are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we haven't digressed now. This all flows together. If it's uh, death, then death is reigning over you. You're not reigning. But how many know life and peace sounds like ruling and reigning? If you're just experiencing life and peace. Now go with me over to 1 John. We were there last week and we camped for some time on 1 John 1.9. But look at something else that goes right along with this. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we do what? If we walk in the light. That's another way of saying walk in the spirit. Walk in the light. God is light. He is spirit. He is light. He is love. Walking in God. Walking in the spirit. Walking in life. Walking in love. All the same person. Same spirit. But the key to staying free, cleansed from sin, is what? Walking in the light. Now, I'm going to give you three major reasons why people are in condemnation. The first one we dealt with last week. One of the major reasons why people live in condemnation. Now, that's a Bible, a word, that's a word that's used in the King James. How many know what condemnation is? Condemnation. It is a sense of guilt. If you're condemned, then you are judged to be guilty, deserving of punishment. You're guilty. Along with that comes shame. Along with that comes a sense of inferiority. Are there a lot of Christians who feel guilty? Who are ashamed about stuff in their past? Should they be? Is there a reason why they have to be? No. No. That's why Jesus came. That's why he became sin with our sin. Understand, he didn't just sympathize with our sin. He took our sin into himself. He literally became sin, the Bible said, with our sin so that we might be made, not just sympathize with, but be made the righteousness of God in him. Was he really made sin with our sin? Think about what happened. Him hanging on the cross. It got dark. The sun refused to shine. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't forsake him, but he became sin with our sin. Not didn't just sympathize or empathize with it. He became it. And as such, the full brunt of judgment for sin fell on him. We don't really know what he went through. 
We know what he went through physically, but that don't touch what he went through spiritually. And it was awful. You understand? He became every bad sin that anybody has ever committed or ever will commit. He became it. And then he took the punishment, the alienation, the separation from God, the death, all the shame and all the gut-wrenching feelings from failure, all the embarrassment, all the... He took all that into himself and became it. And so that's why I say when people retain it now, And they mess up and they go around for three years feeling bad because they've messed up and identify with it and hang their head down and are afraid to be around anybody else. Why, you know, well, I messed up and I this and that. It's insulting to the blood. It's insulting to what the Lord has done for us. We're either forgiven or we're not. We're either clean or we're not. We've either been made righteous with his righteousness or we haven't. And if we're clean, we're clean. Heads up, shoulders back, right? He's the glory and lifter of our head. There is therefore now no, no condemnation, guilt, shame. The number one reason from what we've already said, why people are in condemnation is not believing What we've been talking about. They don't believe that he was made sin with our sin. They don't believe they've been made righteous. So they haven't received the free gift of righteousness. If this is new to you, friend, don't stop here. Get the tape from last week. Go get some other books on the subject. And look at the scriptures in the Bible. And I mean just camp in it. Stay in it until it doesn't sound strange to you for you to say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Camp on it. Because this hasn't been taught like it should have been in the church. Sin's been preached on. Condemnation. You ought to feel guilty. You saw a rascal. You poor excuse for a Christian. You've come short in so many ways. You've failed so many ways. And all the church goes, yeah, sad but true. We've come so short. And people cry and think they had a move of the Spirit. Are y'all with me now? You know what I'm talking about? People cry and go, oh God, we fell so short and we're such miserable failures and think they had a move of the Spirit. It's sad. It's sad. No. We were sinners. We have been saved. Now we're not just old sinners saved by grace. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees us. God sees us through Christ's righteousness. We're counted just as innocent, just as clean as the Lord. We're loved just as much as the Lord. We're just as accepted of the Father as the Lord Jesus is. Why? Because it's His righteousness we have. It's not too good to be true. It's why He paid such a terrible price. So number one, people are in condemnation by the millions. Because they either don't know this or they've heard it and hadn't believed it. Haven't received it. They're still singing tradition and preaching tradition and confessing tradition instead of the word. But then secondly, something we must deal with tonight. Let's say you know this. Let's say you believe this. He said there's therefore now no condemnation. 
To them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And what did he say here? He said, if you walk in the light. Did you get that? If you walk in the light, as he's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If you do what? If. I-F. What is that? That's conditional, right? If you do this. In order to be free from condemnation, you must receive the free gift of righteousness and you must believe that you are forgiven for all sin and you are cleansed from all unrighteousness and God doesn't remember your sins and iniquities and that you stand before the Father just as clean as the Lord himself. That will set you free if you believe that and act upon it. But then also, having received that, to maintain that, to stay free from condemnation day in and day out, you must walk in the light that you have. You must walk in the light that you have. Go with me, if you would, back to the book of Romans. This requires just a little bit of study. Can you handle it? It requires us to go to a few scriptures. It's something that a lot of folk have not seen. But it's not that complicated. But very, very important. Romans, are you there? In the fourth chapter, you'll see why I had you say something a minute ago. Romans 4 and 15. Romans 4.15 says... Because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Say that out loud. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Now turn on over to the fifth chapter. We read it, but let's look at it again. 5.13. Until the law, sin was in the world, but what? Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Another way of saying the same thing. Now turn right on over to the seventh chapter. Seven, seven. Romans seven, seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Now did you get that? He said, I wouldn't have known what sin was till I found out the law. Now, when he says law, he's talking about, among other things, the Ten Commandments. And then all the statutes and ordinances that God gave under those. And he mentions one of them right here. He said, I wouldn't have known sin, but for the law, by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. Now, that's the last, the Tenth Commandment. Uh, actually, one uh, in one place in Deuteronomy, it says you shall not desire. You're not to desire your neighbor's wife. You're not to covet your neighbor's donkey. Be like your neighbor's car today. Or your neighbor's house or anything that your neighbor's. You're not to get your eyes on something that belongs to somebody else and long for it. You got every right to believe for you one. Just not theirs. Did you hear me? He says, well, I believe in God to deal with them, to give it to me. Covetousness. And the Bible said covetousness is idolatry. It's serious stuff. 
No, no, never get your eyes on somebody else's stuff. Certainly not their husband or their wife. Right? Now, people smile and and laugh when you say that. But, friend, this is a deal. I mean, I, I wish it wasn't relevant. But we'd just be kidding ourselves to think it's not. People sit up in church and get their eyes on somebody else's spouse and dream about it. Well, it's wrong. It's sin. But among other things, it's dumb and a waste of time. For one thing, you don't even know them. You don't know what it'd be like. And people try to live in a, in a pretend daydream world. I've had young couples sit across the desk from me before. I'm thinking this one time, this young lady just crying her eyes out. Because her man, he don't love me. And, and he looked at me and he said, Brother Keith, I do. And I've told her so every day. She said, you're just saying that. <laughs> he looked at me like, help me. What do I do? And so she starts telling me. How that he didn't do, and he's not doing, what she's seen in this movie. This perfect romance in the movie. I looked at her, I said, dear, I said, now there's a reason why they're called actors. It's because they're acting. And I happen to know that, I saw on the news, that one of those actors she was was impressed with was on his fourth marriage. Oh, yeah, they pretend this perfect romance, and then the director calls, cut, and they turn and run to their trailer. (laughs) But it's pitiful that people don't have enough sense to know what's real and what is not. He said, I wouldn't have known sin until I found that out, that you're not supposed to desire somebody else's stuff. Then what happened after that? Keep reading. When he found that out, what happened? Verse 8, sin took occasion by the commandment and worked in me all manner of concupiscence. Another word for that is craving, desire. For without the law, sin was dead. You'll see this in little children. Sometimes they're fine until you tell them, don't touch that. And now what happens? Well, what's going on? They have found out now. You're not supposed to touch that. Maybe before then it wasn't even that big of a deal. But now, why not? That must be wonderful to touch that. And little ones can get obsessed with it. Just get their eyes glazed over. It's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Hmm? It's exactly. He said, don't eat of these. Any of the rest of the trees, have at it, enjoy yourself. That tree, leave it alone. Don't eat the fruit out of that tree. You do, you'll die. Next thing we know, what's going on? They're standing out there going, look at that tree. Wonder what? Got all these other trees. And the devil, as soon as you do that, soon as you, now get this, soon as you violate light, 
you invite the devil into your life. Because he is the prince of darkness. God is light and in him is no darkness. Where the devil is darkness and in him is no light. And when you violate light, you open the door to the devil to come in. You know you're not supposed to nothing. Did you hear that? You know. They knew they're not supposed to be out there messing around with that tree. They weren't confused. They weren't confused. Because when the devil said, you know, asked about the tree, then the woman, boy, she rattled it off. Yeah, God said we're not to eat of the fruit of that tree because in the day that you we do, we'll die. She rattled it off. She knew exactly what God told her. And then he says, well, no, nah, you won't really die. And he starts through his subtlety, his deceiving reasoning. He said, look at that. Look at that. How can anything looks like that be bad? How could anything feel so good be wrong? I mean, there's even worldly songs to that effect, right? If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Well, I want to be right. How about you? I want to be right. We've got a world full of people. They don't care about right and wrong because they don't love God. They may give him lip service, but they don't love God. When you love God, you want to please God. Right? And if you find out that something displeases him, no matter how much your flesh wants it, you think, no, no. If it displeases him, then no. Cut it off. I live for him. In him I live. I move. I have my being. He's everything to me. He's my life, my breath. He's everything. Right? Nothing is worth forfeiting Fellowship with him. But he said if we're going to have fellowship with him. We got to walk in the light. Walk in the light. Go with me to Romans 14. You're still believing with me right? Where there is no law. He said there could be no sin. Now we're going to take that further on into the New Testament. I'll say it like this. Where there's no light. Where there's no light then sin is not imputed. The law was all the light that they had, but now Jesus has come, the fulfilling of the law. We have the New Testament. We have the Spirit of God, who's the Spirit of light. The entrance of His Word gives light. But we're all at different places of light. There's no two of us in here tonight exactly at the same place in light and, it, you know, one person might have a lot more light in this area than another person, but this person might have a whole lot of light in a different area than that one. And the Lord holds us accountable for the light we have, not what we don't know, not what we don't see. And you'll see this in this writing right here. Romans 14. In Romans 14... And verse 21, Romans 14 and 21, he said, It is good neither to eat flesh, that's the word for meat, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Now you have to back up to get the full picture. He talked about that people, well, let's just back up to verse 1. Let's get a little more background. He said, him that is what? 
weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Let me give you another phrase for weak in the faith. Low on light. And not just low on it, but if you got revelation, you didn't walk in it. So you didn't develop. How does faith come? By hearing what? Does the word, the entrance of his word give light? So many times when faith comes, people remark and say, I saw it. I saw, you saw it's God's will for me to be healed. You saw light. Faith came. In fact, this is a good phrase that will help you. Brother Hagin said this for years. He said, when the light comes, faith is there. This is a great phrase. You may not realize how great it is. When the light comes, faith is there. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to say, oh, I'm going to believe this. I'm no, when you're struggling, trying to believe, the light's not there. But when the light comes and you go, oh, glory to God, glory to God, I see that. Faith is already there. <laughs> Without trying to think about it. Faith is already there. When the light comes, faith is there. He said, uh, for one believes he may eat all things. Another who is weak or has less light eats herbs. Let not him that eats despise him that eats not. Now let's say it another way. Don't despise people who have less light than you do. Or if you think they have less light, if you think, well, why have they got scruples about that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, why not? No, no, that's what he goes on to say. Don't push people beyond their light. And don't despise them for less light. He said, uh, let not him that eats not judge him that eats for God has received him. Verse 5, one man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be what? Fully persuaded in his own mind. Now he skips on down. Verse 13 to say, let us not judge one another, but judge this, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Did you get that? There are people who believe it's a sin to uh, wear short sleeves. There's people that believe it's a sin to wear deodorant. And for a lot of folk think it'd be a sin not to. There's people that believe it's a sin to uh, drink coffee. Especially in other parts of the world. There are people that believe, you know, believe it's a sin to wear makeup. There are people that believe it's a sin. A number of things. Some of say, well, ah. You know, this or that. Listen, if you believe it is a sin to you, then to you it is. Now he goes on, read the rest of it. He says it the best way it can be said. He said, verse 22, hast thou faith? Have it to yourself before God. Don't try to push it off on everybody else. Don't preach your convictions. Don't preach your experiences. Preach the word. Be wonderful if everybody did that. Let's all endeavor to do that. Don't preach 
your convictions, preach the word. He said it is good neither to eat flesh nor to, to drink wine or anything whereby your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. You're a happy man or woman. You're a free man or woman when nothing you're doing condemns you and bothers you. Now, you may think I've digressed, but do you understand, you are not going to be ruling and reigning with condemnation in your life. Right? Now, we've already talked about the first big reason why people are in condemnation. They haven't believed nor received the free gift of righteousness. But after that, you must walk in the light to maintain freedom from condemnation. He said... Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. And he that doubts is damned or condemned if he eats because he eats what? Not in faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now this is another big reason why we should not judge people because we don't know people's hearts. We don't know what light they've got and what they don't. We don't know what bothers them and what doesn't bother them. So instead of preaching all endless rules and do's and don'ts and do like me, we should preach that we're the righteousness of God in Christ and then teach people how to be led. How to be led for yourself. He said, he that doubts is damned if he, what does that mean? If these guys, if they believed it was wrong to eat some of these things, and they look over there and they see this other guy, they see the Apostle Paul. He's chowing down. And they think, well, he's doing it, so I'll do it. So they go ahead and eat up something that they previously had believed was wrong to eat. And now they go back home and their hearts bother them. They feel condemned because they believe it's a sin. Did they just sin? Yes. Yes, they did. Are they condemned? Yes, they got condemnation in their life. Is their faith going to work? No. Are they going to rule and reign? No. Why? You got to keep your heart clear. You got to walk in the light that you have. He said, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I believe it's the Amplified. Somebody look at it and tell me. It says, whatever is done without a sense of its approval by God. Is that what it says? Without a sense of its approval by God is sin. There it is. Right? Whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. People talk about gray areas. There are none. If it's gray to you, you can't do it without sinning. Did you hear me? Well, yeah, but what about what all they're doing? What about it? That's not between you and the Lord. You know, uh, something I was reminded of just the other day. Uh, Peter, you know, after Jesus was raised from the dead. And Jesus told Peter... By what death and what way he was going to glorify God on his way out. And he, I think he didn't know if he liked the sounds of it too much. And John was, you know, John was always laying on Jesus. 
had his head on his chest, renamed himself. Instead of calling himself John, he says, I'm the disciple the Lord loves. Sounds kind of like Phyllis, don't it? I'm his favorite. I mean, I, I'm the one he loves. Well, And there's nothing wrong with believing that you are the one he loves. And he looked over at him and he said, well, what about him? And the Lord looked at him and said, if I want him to stay till I come back, what is that to you? Boy, those are some good words, aren't they? What is that to you? Does the Lord expect us to try to figure out everybody else's life and walk with God? Or does he expect us to not be busybodies and keep our nose out of other folks' business and not try to judge folk or figure out if they're right or if they're wrong, if they're sinning or if they're not? But he said, what is that to you? You follow me. Well, if we live by that, what a different world it would be, right? What do you think about it? I've had people corner me. I've had ministers corner me. People I'm speaking for corner me. No, Brother Keith, so-and-so. What do you think about that? I said, I don't. More than one time I've said that. They said, what do you mean? Well, I know you got an opinion about it. I said, no, I refuse to have one. They said, well, I know it's obvious it was wrong. I mean, anybody in their right mind could see that that was stupid and sin. That was wrong. Why in the world do you think they did that? I said, uh, no comment. You know, I like being healthy. And I like being prosperous. And I like being anointed when I get up to speak. And I like having utterance. I just like it. I like being able to lay my head on the pillow and have a clear conscience. It is so wonderful. Right? And I'm telling you, you can get in trouble. Actually, I'm getting ahead. This is the third area. Go, please, to uh, Luke 6 real quickly. Now, are you with me so far? How do you stay free from condemnation? Number one, receive the free gift of righteousness. Don't talk sin. Don't talk past. Talk righteousness. Right? Believe it. Receive it. Say it all the time. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm just as clean. I'm just as accepted. I'm just as loved of the Father as Jesus is because I stand in His righteousness. But then secondly... If you have light, you must walk in that light. Because if you fail to, condemnation will come in because you know in your heart that you're not doing what you should be doing. And you can make all the confessions in the world and it's not going to override that disobedience. How many remember the scripture said in James, what is it, James 4? So he said, to him that knows to do good and does it not, what? To him it's sin. And what if you know you're supposed to be doing something, but you just won't do it? What if you say, you know, your heart's bothering you, but you just keep saying, there's no condemnation to me. I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation to me. I'm the righteousness of God. Will you be free from condemnation? No, you will not. Because you know something to do that you're not doing. You're refusing to walk in light. And because of that, you will have condemnation. And because of that condemnation... You will not rule, you will not reign, your faith will not work. And we have too many Christians that are right there in that case. They know stuff to do, they refuse to do it. Their hearts bother them about stuff they're doing, but they refuse to quit it. Well, they're not walking in the spirit, they're walking in the flesh. 
They're being carnally minded, not spiritually minded, and not walking in the light. Now, we've all made mistakes. But friend, once you see that you're wrong, once you see and know in your heart what's right and what's wrong and what to do, what's it time to do now? Repent, right? Repent, get it right, walk in the light. Because if you don't, it's just going to get darker and darker. You're going to get weaker. You're not going to rule and reign. Number two, you must walk in the light you have. And number three, right here in Luke 6. Luke 6, anybody mark Luke 6.38? Yeah? You believe it, right? You believe verse 37, the one right up above it? What does it say? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Well, turn that around. What if you do judge? You know there's several scriptures I could take you to that says that. If you judge, what's going to happen? What if you condemn? You will be condemned. In fact, turn to James real quickly, James 5. Let me just show it to you verbatim. James chapter 5 and verse 9. The first word said, grudge not one against another. What does some modern translation say? What does yours say? What? Don't complain against one another. Let's see. The New King James says, don't grumble against one another. Lest what? Lest you what? Lest you be condemned. Judging other people will cause you to live in condemnation. As you know, that's a whole message within itself. I don't intend to go into all that, but it's just a fact. Judging other people. And you know, most Christians know that. They know you shouldn't judge, but they don't know what judging is. They don't call. They're doing it, but they're not calling it judging. So many times what people call showing their opinion, it starts out like this. Well, I just think that they got no business doing that. And it gets worse. And they'll say, well... How in the world could anybody do something like that? You just judged them. You judged them guilty and you judged yourself superior. And the Bible said you will be judged now. You will be condemned. Friend, if you're smart, when something comes up, you'll get quiet. Because you know... If something comes up and I'm tempted and something's going on, I do not want to be judged. I want grace so I can make it, so I can overcome and not fall. Well, then if you want grace, you must sow grace, right? That's why so many times when something comes up, I don't care if it's just obvious that the person acted a fool and committed one of the biggest sins in the country. I don't care if it's obvious. You talk like this. You say, well, we don't know their heart. And we don't know what they were going through. And the Lord loves them. And we've all missed it. Let's pray for them. Let's believe for them to get light. Right? Right? Sow some mercy. Sow some grace. Because if you don't, if you condemn what the Bible says is going to happen to you, you're going to be condemned. And if you live in condemnation, will you be ruling and reigning? You will not. 
Go to 1 John, please. Said out loud while you're going over there, I don't judge. You understand there's a whole lot of things that's just none of your business. It shouldn't hurt you to say that a whole lot. You should. (laughs) Oh, the Lord's talking to some people in here right now. Because listen to me. Everybody, are you awake? Come on now, friends. This is serious. How many want to be healed if something comes up instead of staying sick? How many somebody want your needs met instead of failing? How many want to stand and resist the temptation instead of falling and failing? Well, it's going to take grace to do that. You're not going to get all that just because you're so great and wonderful and know everything. It'll only be by His grace. But you won't get grace if you've sowed judgment and condemnation all the time. This came up in my spirit. It's just like I saw it and I heard it. Every time somebody asks this person, there's people in here right now, they ask you, what do you think about that? You tell them. And you go on, and you go on, and you go on about how they shouldn't have done this, and I don't know why in the world they did that, and what is wrong with them. You're judging, judging. Get light tonight now. That's not okay. Well, I'm not judging. Yes, you're judging. What else you want to call it? Well, I'm just talking about it. I'm just pointing out. You are judging. You're saying, they missed it. This is wrong. They're guilty. They're sinned. And friend, you're setting yourself up to be judged and to fail and to fall. Said out loud, there's a whole lot of things. It's none of my business. I got no comment. I got no opinion. Hold your place in 1 John 4. Go back to Romans. Romans. 14th chapter. You were just there. Romans 14, verse 3. Let not him that eats despise him that eats not. Let not him that eats not judge him that eats. For God has received him. Scruples and all. Weird stuff and all. Goofy ideas and all. God's received him. Lack of light and all. Well, if God's received him, what should we do? Receive him. Not try to make them come up to our standards. God's already received them. Uh, Brother Hagin tells the story about, you know, they always tarried to receive the Holy Ghost in their circles. That's how I grew up too. And uh, he said, uh, this woman had come down to the altar to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, he had prayed with her. Boy, she received just like that. She'd been talking in tongues and praising God for a long time, but now wasn't. Was just standing there. And this other fellow come by, and he didn't believe in people wearing jewelry and some other things. And he saw this woman had a ring on, and he grabbed her hand. And he said, now, sister, if you pull off that old ring, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And Brother Hagin said, too late. Too late. God's already filled her ring and all. Well, that could be said a thousand times over in life. We think somebody ought to do this or they ought to do that so they can have this or that. You don't know people's heart. You don't know the light that they have. need to be quiet. Love people. Tell them the truth. Tell them the word. Encourage them to follow their heart. Walk in the light that they have. And don't condemn them. Condemnation is not going to help anybody. 
How many of you, when you first got saved, were doing some stuff that you later found out was not okay? Let me see. I want to show hands. You, You were doing some stuff and you did not even notice it. You didn't even see it. But later on, maybe a week later, maybe a month later, maybe a year later, you come to realize this is not okay. But were you in sin prior to that? You didn't see it. And see, this will help you to understand why it seems like some people get away with stuff. While others can't. What's the difference? Different degrees of light. And see, here's the deal. You might be able to con some folks. But you can't con God. He knows exactly what you know. And what you don't know. And you may think, well, you know, everybody's happy with what I did and and it looks wonderful. And everybody around you is going, oh, that's marvelous. That's wonderful. And the Lord look at you and go, half-hearted effort. How many know a good coach knows whether you're giving it your all or not? He knows. And a good coach will pull it out of you. You may be running circles around everybody else on the, on the field, but a good coach knows you're holding back. You're not giving it your all. God knows that. Yeah. Right? He knows it with you. He knows it with me every day. So we ought to give it our all. You know, he said, uh, I'd rather you were hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Some folk have not understood that. But that's the way he is. Because he knows your heart. He knows if you're playing with him, if you're in or you're out. I know, uh, I've told this before, but it'll bear repetition. When I first started working with Brother Hagin, I got caught a couple of times. And it helped me. It wasn't fun at the time, but it helped me. I know in one, uh, we were in a camp meeting. This was early on. And he had called me up to do a song. And, uh, I hum-hawed around and I finally got it. And uh, afterwards they were telling me, good good job, that's a good job. And I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll eventually get it. And both of them, I mean both of them, Brother Hagen Sr. and Mr. Aretha, his wife, they looked at me and they said, it better be sooner than later. And I, I'll be honest with you, I was a little offended. I didn't know him very well and I thought, uh-huh. Well, I thought we did pretty good by getting it done. But see, by the Spirit, they had a quickening that I could do better. You know what I'm saying? And this lackadaisical stuff. Well, we'll get it eventually. Because I grew up in the deep south. And it's so hot and humid. Well, we'll get over there directly. (laughs) Maybe. People do it in church. Y'all just pray for me. I'm going to try to sing this song. Well, you better sing it and you better give it your all. Now. It's the king of kings you're serving. He knows what you can do and what you can't. And so people have not been held to these standards, but you and I, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to be compared to anybody else except Jesus Christ 
himself. We're going to be measured by him. So how in the world could you be? He gave it his all every day. He pleased the Father completely every day. So can we. If we will. Now here's the good news. <laughs> Somebody said, oh my Lord, Brother Keith. <laughs> it's all Bible. Check it out. Search it out. Here's the good news. We have failed. We have come short. But because of the blood, we can repent and stand up clean as though we never missed it. Oh, thank God. Thank God cleansed from all unrighteousness. I know another time. I was, uh, I've told you this before, but Patsy Beerman and myself used to do music at the prayer school and healing school every day. And Brother Hagin was teaching. And he, he looked over to us. He said, you know, come on, get ready. And so we sat there and sometimes I'd sing, sometimes she'd sing. And, and she said, you got anything? I said, I don't know. Do you? She said, I don't know. You can do it. And I said, well, you can. Go ahead. She said, no, you go. And we sat there for another minute or two. And he looked over and saw we were still sitting there. And the place was packed, man. It was packed. And he bellered. He said, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't have called on you. And I said, that's hard. No, see, the Lord knows your heart. And him being a man of God and a prophet, he picked that up in his spirit. He knew we were sloughing. We were slacking. We do this every day. We know what's going to come up at the end of the service. We know we're supposed to be ready. And we're sitting there floating. The church has been held to such low standards. Millions of people come and they sit on the pew and think they have rung the bell because they showed up. And do, you know, everything from the grounds to the cleaning to the sound. It just, I've been in places, huge churches, where the sound was pitiful. It was just incredibly bad. And you talk to the guys about it and they're like, yeah, we've been having problems with that for three or four months. Huh? Well, we're just doing the best we can. No, you are not. No, you are not doing the best you can. And the Lord knows that. And anything less than our best is unacceptable. With me? With you? Right? You gotta learn. If you want to live free from condemnation now, you gotta learn. When you realize I could do a little better. I got something here, but it could be better. I better dig a little more. I can lay this out better. I can do a better job. I can reach down and hit it a little higher. I can get it stronger. I can give better than that. I can do better than that. I can control my feelings better than that. I can choose the right words. When you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, there's only one thing good enough every day. What is it? It's your absolute best. Ain't about serving people. And some people asked me years after that, Brother Hagen had called me, and I ran. Pop, pew, pew, ran. And one minister asked me one time, he said, why do you run? Well, you know. But what did the Bible say? Be instant. 
Right? Instant. In season. Out of season. There may be times you don't know. But don't let it be for a lack of effort. The Lord's dealing with me real strong about this whole church. We've talked about it. We've touched on it. But man, the word has been going through my spirit. I mean, it's like a brand in my heart. Excellence. Excellence. It's all through the Bible. The Holy Ghost is called the spirit of excellence. Excellence. We've touched on it. I know a lot of you have it in your heart too. A lot of you have exemplified it by your work. I know you're doing the best that you know how to do. But how many believe our best is going to get a lot better? God's bringing us up, right? Light's coming. More light to walk in. If we walk in the light that we have, more light will come. If you don't walk in the light that you have, you don't do all you know to do, darkness comes. Condemnation comes. Are you there in 1 John? 1 John. Oh, hallelujah. How many believe the Lord deserves our very, very best? I mean, everything we do. Our best prayer. Our best message. Our best cleaning. Best sound. Best parking. Best children's. Right? The best we can do. And when we do that today, we say, well, that's the best today. But we can do better tomorrow. Right? We can get it better next week. No amount, nothing too nice for the things of God. No equipment too nice. Nothing too expensive. We want the best of the best. Right? That when people see the Lord's things, they know, surely that must be the Lord's. Look at that. Look at how they present that. Look at how they conduct themselves. They must be the Lord's. They represent Him. They're His ambassadors. They're His representatives. Everybody say excellence. You do understand we have just begun. We have just begun. And already how the Lord's blessed us. We see splatterings of it, don't we? A little bit here and there. Oh, but you just watch. Lord Terry, his coming, you watch. We're coming up. We're coming up. We're coming up. We're liable to gold plate every doorknob. We're liable to have giant rubies on top of the faucets in the bathroom. We... I mean, if these gambling casinos can have stuff, why couldn't the church have nice stuff, right? Is anybody doing anything more important than what we're doing in other churches and ministries of God? No, 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 no. That's why we got to be rich. Rich, right? Rich in faith. Rich in knowledge and understanding. Rich in light. Rich in stuff. First John, are you there? I think I'm closing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 1 John 3. How do you live free from condemnation? How do you live free from guilty conscience? How do you live free from being embarrassed and ashamed, feeling inferior? You must receive the free gift of righteousness. Right? Right? What else must you do? You must walk in the light that you have. Walk in all the light you have and give God all the glory for every good thing. And then you must not judge others lest you be condemned. Notice this. This says it so plainly. 1 John the third chapter. Verse 18. 
My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, action. Everybody say, that's us. Say it out loud. That's Faith Life Church. That's us. We don't just love and talk. We do love. Right? That was a little weak. This is us, brothers, sisters. This is us. This is our claim to fame, right? What? We do love. We don't just talk it. We do it. Right? Action. And he said, Hereby we know that we're of the truth and shall assure, shall what? Assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So it's foolish to try to hide it. It's foolish to delay getting it right. He already knows it. He already knows if you're not walking in the light that you have, he already knows it. So don't run from him. Don't stay another day miserable. Don't put it off. Go to him right now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I confess it. I know better than this. I can do better than this. And I am and I will. What did he say he would do? He is faithful and just to forgive you from that and cleanse you from every vestige or remnant of unrighteousness. So now you stand back up just as clean as though you never came short. Just as clean as though you never failed at all. Thanks be unto God. He said, verse 21, Beloved, if, I if, if, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Does that sound like ruling and reigning? Man, you got confidence. Everything you ask comes to pass. You're ruling. You're reigning. Glory to God. But it's only going to happen if your heart does not condemn you. Didn't say God was condemning you. Didn't say the Holy Spirit was condemning you. What did it say? Your why? Because your heart knows what light you have. You know if you're doing something you know better. You know if you're not doing something you know you should be doing. You know it. Nobody else knows it like you do. Nobody else knows. And you might be able to fool somebody else. But the Bible said if your heart condemns you, God knows it. He already knows it. Certainly he does. If your heart's bothering you, you may come to church, you may put on a front. But your faith's not going to work. Did you hear me? What did he say? If our heart condemns us not, what? Then we have confidence. That's a faith word. Do you hear that? We have confidence Toward God. And it goes on to say whatever we ask we receive of him. But what if your heart does condemn you? Then you don't have confidence toward God. And you don't receive. If your heart condemns you. If your heart's bothering you. Got to get it right. Or you'll not rule and reign. You got to get it right. Condemnation is the confidence killer. You show me somebody who has faith, I show you somebody who has confidence. Have you seen it before? Well, I don't know if they're in faith or not. 
You can talk to them a little bit. Uh, you know, how's it going? Oh, glory to God. We've sown our seed. The Lord's heard us. It's done. Confidence. Right? Well, how's it going? What, what's going on? Well, we're doing the best we can. Y'all pray. Confidence? No. No. Why? There's condemnation in there somewhere. Friends, are y'all with me tonight? This is so important. Can you tolerate any degree of condemnation? Can you afford to tolerate any amount of guilt and condemnation? No, no. It robs you of your faith. It destroys your confidence. It will prevent you from ruling and reigning. Friend, if the devil tries to mess with your kids... You want to be able to march in there bold as a lion and say, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, you get off of my baby and leave this place. Stop it now. But if you're already yielding to him half the day, did you hear me? If you're yielding to the devil half the day before you get there and you're going to boss the devil around, he'll laugh at you. He'll say, I was telling you what to do five minutes ago. Now you're going to tell me what to do? I don't think so. I run you. Right? And if you know in your heart and your heart's bothering you and condemning you, you can confess and you can yell and you can pray and it means nothing. Because you've got no faith. No confidence. But friend, it's easily fixed. Somebody smile. I said, it's easily fixed. Do you believe it's easily fixed? Do you know how to fix it? Who knows how to fix it? You back up. I said, you back up one or two pages. Right? You get back to the first chapter. What do you do? You say, oh God, I'm sorry. I know better. I know better. You showed me and I knew not to do that, but I did it. But have mercy on me. I repent. Forgive me and cleanse me. And what happens next? He is faithful. Oh, thank God he's faithful. And just he forgives you and he cleanses you. And I don't care how terribly you failed before. You can stand up and say, now, Mr. Devil, now. And he knows. He knows. I'm not yielding to you. I'm submitting to God. So I resist the devil. Isn't that what the Bible said? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Do you notice what came first? Submit yourself to God. You're not yielding to the devil. You're yielding to God. Now, the devil has to listen to you in Jesus' name. Heart's clear. No condemnation. No guilt. No shame. You've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And you rule and you reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Ah, oh, hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands. Give glory to God. Say, thank you, Lord, for cleansing me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me authority. Thank you, Lord, I can rule. Thank you, Lord, I can rule, I can reign. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.